Hey there, preachers. Rachel Wren here. Before we begin this week's episode, we wanted to offer you a moment, a moment of quiet, which maybe you're hearing through your headphones as your family plays or screams or cries or studies in the background. Maybe you're hearing this in an all-too-quiet church where the walls echo and long for voices and hugs and laughter. Or maybe you're hearing this in a moment when life has started to return to normal. Whatever moment you're in right now, we invite you to pause, to breathe, to find yourself feeling light and warmth on your skin in some way. We are out of the season of Lent now and into the season of Easter. And even though our lives do not reflect resurrection, all the time. Yet there is light, and there is joy, and there is hope all around us. Our prayer for you today, preacher, is that in your sermon preparation, you might feel that light, that warmth, that joy, in some way that your soul or your body desperately needs. May God bless your preaching preparation And welcome to First Reading. Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast that cures all ills, heals all diseases, and is a great post-dinner accompaniment. (laughs) I'm Rachel Wren. (laughs) And I'm Tim McNinch. Well, now that the bar is set really low, we're back with some reflections for the Easter season. Uh, Today we're looking at Psalm 116. It's a long psalm, so the lectionary has the first four verses and then verses 12 through 19. This is the first reading, well, it's the psalm reading, for April 26th, 2020. And uh, we're in the psalms because the lectionary, kindly enough, swapped out all of the Old Testament readings with the Book of Acts for the Easter season. So we are giving you options. We're giving you a chance to continue to swim around in the Old Testament by taking a look at the Psalm for the week. Let's get into it, Rachel. Uh, Psalm 116. Yeah. Well, first of all, I I study the Psalms. I'm working on Psalms for my dissertation. So this has been fun for me to do a, a kind of a deep pastoral dive into the Psalms. I'm more used to doing an exegetical one. Uh, but they're, they're just so good. They're just so beautiful. Um, I know the lectionary chops this one up, and, and normally you would probably expect me to say, do the whole thing. You absolutely can, but there's enough in these sections of Psalm 116 to sustain, I think, mm-hmm. several sermons. So, you know, you'll get an extra gold star in heaven if you expand <laughs> that psalm a little bit. You, but you might you might not get a gold star from your congregation who has to sit through the three-hour sermon. So. You might not get a gold star. Yeah, that was, a, I, I preached here at my church a couple of weeks back, and um they made the mistake of asking me, well, would you like to expand the, what they have in the lectionary at all? I said, oh, sure. <laughs> and we read way more verses than we probably should have, but it was good too. So anyway, what I meant when I said that Psalm 116 has enough in it is right away in verse one, you are 
hit with this like barrage of big ticket Bible mm. words. And and it can sound kind of innocuous in the NRSV translation. The NRSV just says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. It sounds pretty generic, yeah, right? Yeah. But when you dive into the Hebrew, I mean, you could even just take that first word shama, like just Tim, off the top of your head, what do you know about the word shama to hear in Hebrew or in the Bible? Well, it's part of the most important prayer in the Hebrew Bible, the, the Shema. <laughs> right, yes. In Deuteronomy, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Elheinu, Adonai Echad. Right. Uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. It's a, it's a really huge word. So we get that one. And then we also have kol, which is this word which means voice. God has heard my voice. In the Psalms, it talks about the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The voice of the Lord shakes Kadesh. The voice of the Lord actually causes deer to give birth. Uh, a voice was a really, really powerful thing which had embodied effects, um, especially if you're talking mm-hmm. God's voice. So um, so we have Shema, we have Kol, and then we have this little, this this less known word, Tachanuna, um, which is a really beautiful word. Do you know that word off the top of your head? I didn't, Tim. Do you know that no, one? No, but I do right away see the, the Chen, Chanan root. So it has something to do with grace. Yes, exactly. So so the root, Chen, uh, Chanan, um, has to do with grace. It has to do with being gracious. Um, so here we it's translated as supplications. But it can also be this request for favor or, you know, request mm-hmm. for grace. So, so it's this gorgeous imagery right away in this first verse that the Lord has heard this big ticket word, my voice, this powerful call, and, and my, my request for grace, my, my plea for grace. So once you start diving into the Hebrew, it just gets prettier and prettier, doesn't it? Always. And then if you back up and take the very first word of the whole psalm, uh, it just gets even richer. The The first word is ahavti, and that is, of course, from ahav, which means to love. Love, ahav, is often connected to the lave, which means heart in Hebrew, but it can also be connected to your nefesh, which we've translated as throat. Your nefesh can love stuff, which is interesting and just makes <laughs> that word even more complex. I won't go on a nefesh rant. I'll, I'll, I'll contain myself. But here's the really fun part about ahav, love, in this psalm. So ahav occurs about 40 times in the psalms. And most often, like 99% of the time, it has an object that goes along with it. It, it, it loves something. It loves righteous deeds. It loves the Lord, the name of the Lord, the Lord's house, justice, salvation, Torah. Every time, except here in Psalm 116, now, it's, it's translated as having an object, right? It's translated in the NRSV as, I mm-hmm. love the Lord. But when you look at the Hebrew, it's not attached to anything. It's just, I love. So if you were to do a structure of this, bur- of this verse, according to the Hebrew, it would read something like this. I love, for he has heard the Lord, my voice, my cry for grace. So Adonai, the holy name, occupies this central part in this verse that everything kind of hinges on. And what begins the sentence is just this statement, I love. I love because God has heard my voice. God has heard my cry for grace. And that would be such an awesome sermon. (laughs) 
like to, just to you know to talk about love without object or about you know love with love beyond maybe that specific romantic love that we think about it so much in America and then or just to talk about what the effects of God's grace are right. in our life you know to to be heard for someone to truly hear you and then you know by consequence to truly see you that gives birth to kind of this love in you, which can be romantic, it can be obedient, it can be, you know, kind of fulfilling all of that big space that the Hebrew word occupies. But but that this text says, I love, you know, because God first loved us, if you want to pull from the New Testament too. I just thought that was yeah, so neat. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. So you've got like a whole sermon just on the first four or five words of the psalm, right? <laughs> Right, right, exactly. I, I, I'd love to stop there, but I, it feels a little like cheating. So let me throw something right, else your way. Let's get deeper into the, into the text. <laughs> All right. So if you jump to verse 15, verse 15 is this really interesting verse that has been wrestled with in academia and I think in, in church history for mm. a long time. And the NRSV translates it as precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. Uh, what's the feeling you get when you hear that sentence, Tim? Well, it is it is a bit odd, right? Like when you think about death, the first uh, adjective that comes to mind probably isn't precious. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Um, you know, I, I would rather that the death of my loved ones be abhorrent <laughs> to God. You know, there's other places in the Bible where it says uh, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they turn and live. So if God wants the wicked to live, can't God want the faithful ones to mm. live as well? Mm. It's it's just kind of this bizarre verse. Um, well, what's what's going on in the Hebrew there? Because maybe that's some that could be a translation issue, or what? What do you think? It's funny because that's what I thought too. I was like, well, let me go back to the text and see if there's anything kind of funky going on there. It's just not though. Uh, precious, the word is yakar, which if you were going to put that on a screen, it'd be Y-A-Q-A-R, yakar. It's an adjective. It means precious, rare, splendid, weighty, um, costly, you know, all of these things that, again, are not adjectives you would typically associate with death. So I couldn't find anything to the Hebrew, so I went to mm. scholarship. No, nobody agrees there either. Um, there's a ton of debate. And basically, when you get right down to it, scholars either end up doing backflips, twisting the text to say, oh, the original letters actually meant something else, or just kind of scratching their heads and saying, this is an example of something that is unique in the Hebrew Bible, and we're not really sure what to do with it. So that helps, right? I don't know. If, how would you how would you handle this? How would, Where would you take it? Would you kind of spin out one of those scholarly threads or do you have another approach? You could, but I think what came to mind for me was actually um, not going to the academic and going to mm. the pastoral instead. Um, my grandma recently died a couple of weeks ago and she was 91 and in full mental capacity up until the day before she died, um, loved Jesus with all of her heart and um, was really just quite ready. It was a, it was an extremely gentle death. Um, and I'm sad and I miss her. And yet at the same time, the way that she died and the graciousness with which she treated her family and herself in those last few days, in the last few months, 
was quite a gift. Uh, it, it was precious. It was precious, I think, in the eyes of God and in the eyes of her family. So um, you will have people in your congregations, preachers, who have experienced deaths like that in their family. You will also have people who have experienced the opposite of those kinds of deaths. And this could be a moment to really kind of open up what it looks like to hope for a good death, to hope for a precious death. Um, when our prayers can no longer be let life be extended, what might we pray for instead? What might we look for instead that would be precious even when those moments are still really mm -hmm. hard? Uh, so I, I think that's where I would go with it if you were going to talk about that verse. Yeah, that's that's a really helpful way to think about that challenging verse. It, it reminds me a bit of my semester that I spent doing clinical pastoral education, working as a as a pastoral yeah. intern in a hospital setting. You know, being with people and their families at moments of death and the holiness of, of that moment. I think yakar could be a good adjective for that, that sense that God notes and is present and marks that moment as, as special. Yeah. So even though it's a academically confusing verse, it is pastorally rich. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Rachel, for getting us into the beginning and end of this psalm. <laughs> uh, My pleasure. <laughs> There's a whole lot in the middle, too. <laughs> Maybe another time we'll, we'll go back in and uh, dig out the, the middle part of the song. But uh, for now, we'll wrap it up there. Come back next week because we will be continuing on in the Psalms of Easter. And uh, do take a moment to go to the website and subscribe to the podcast there or uh, in iTunes or wherever you get your podcast fix. Until next time, I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy preaching. <laughs>